five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Good morning, and a very warm welcome to episode 0362 of Five in the Eye. Yes, it's our weekly news review show here on Colourful Radio, and this is me, Michael O'Hajuru, looking forward to looking back over stories that have caught our eye over the past seven years. Days. Days. That was, that was a, a purposeful slip there. And this is Phil Woodford joining Michael via Zoom this week and revealing our top story is going to be the government's policy on sending asylum seekers to Rwanda and more specifically Boris Johnson's attack on lawyers who seek to defend those at risk of deportation. Five in the eye. For a second story, there's a former Google engineer who claims that an artificial intelligence developed by the tech giant has become sentient. Should we be worried? Mm. Meanwhile... Labour leader Sakir Starmer has told his shadow cabinet that they must stop calling him boring. We ask the question, just how boring can you be and still become Prime Minister? That's story number three. And you may ask, Wagwan at number four, innit? Well, it's the growth of multicultural London, English, MLE, which seems to be spreading beyond Mandem and reaching the wider population. (laughs) And finally this week, to wrap up the show... You really wouldn't want to be a bodyguard for Russian President Vladimir Putin. One of their duties, according to reports, is collecting his poop while he travels abroad. They must put... Who writes this stuff? They must put it in a Putin. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Well, we're going to start this week's show with the um, ongoing... Uh, political dispute over the government's immigration policy um, and the fact that they uh, want to um, deport people who are seeking asylum to Rwanda. And they struck a deal with Kigali in order to do this. And there was a flight that was going to go out um, earlier this week that was stopped through court interventions, uh, particularly by the European Court of Human Rights, which obviously um, is um, a, a tabloid newspaper's uh, delight because they can use it as a, a, a as a stick to beat the, the Europeans um, into interfering as they would see it in our uh, in our political debates. But um, one of the um, other kind of bogeymen of, of, of this is the lawyers that uh, the, the fight on behalf of the people who are being deported and stand up for their human rights in court. I mean, I think we'd all like to know that if someone was threatening to deport us, we would have someone representing us in court to put forward our case. But Boris Johnson, Michael, he has made a point of intervening and being disparaging about the motives of these lawyers, even going so far as to suggest that they are effectively aiding and abetting the criminal gangs that seek to traffic people across the channel. Is this a new low for Boris Johnson? I mean, it's difficult with, with Johnson, no, isn't it, no, to no, establish, no, 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 to establish no. any any kind of depths to it that the guy he's won't plumb. He's found the new bottom, but it's just consistent with him, Phil. When you look, when you lost the argument, attack the man, attack the man. And this is all the time. We we we, we he did it with with, with Starmer when he attacked him about. Oh, we just many times Starmer. One I remember particularly when he attacked him about um, Savile. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had to go at him mm. in the sense of he'd lost the argument. He lost the argument to 
And he was just going on attacking the person. That's what he's doing here. Because what it says then, you know, what about right-wing lawyers then? Should we be should the left be attacking right-wing lawyers? Well, I'm you know, sure the lawyers just, would the lawyers would also say we're not left-wing, we're not right-wing, we're doing our jobs, wouldn't they? Exactly, exactly. We're just doing what we're supposed to do. And he 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 should well, he, he knows this. He's playing that game. And and, and that, that to me is the, is the problem with this. He's he's debating, he's in Oxford doing his debating with his mates. And there's people's literally people's lives at stake. Him, both in you know, his housing policy, his immigration policy. Yeah, he's, he's, he finds time to attack the people, not not, not the policies, because he's so thin. You know, I, I took you know his, his um, ethics ethics advisor director resigned. The second yes, one, Lord Guides. Yes, Lord, Lord Guides. I, I took. I, I wonder. I looked into these. Um, I looked into the ministerial code. And there's the seven principles. Briefly, it goes selfishness, integrity, objectivity, accountability, openness, honesty, and leadership. That, that, that's the ministerial code. Those are the standards you live up to. The number one, Phil, selflessness. Mm-hmm. You must do it for the public good. You must. It's not for you. It's for the better. I mean, of could there be society. a society? Could there be a prime minister or a set of ministers that more obviously flout all of these principles on a regular basis? I mean, you just listen to these words, and then none of them are words that you would associate with Boris Johnson or with any no, of his cabinet. Integrity, honesty, openness, and and you know, to add insult to injury, he wants to rewrite it. He wants to rewrite it. You know, to put to put it more. What was his word? To, to make it more contemporary. <laughs> you know, and it's just, I, I, I find it, it's insulting to us that he thinks that because he's the prime minister, he can manipulate these things and we don't see through him. We don't see the emperor's clothes. I mean, just, on, just, on, 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 the, on the substance of the Rwanda issue, which we have touched on before, but obviously has been, you know, hugely prominent uh, in the last week. Um there is something, you know, really sinister about the whole the whole thing. But do you do you find it disturbing, Michael, that when when there are opinion polls conducted, that you know the a small majority of the population seems generally to favour this policy? And if you if you look at Tory voters, maybe three quarters of Tory voters are in favour of it. And you can sort of see the political motivations here, can't you? The government they're appealing to a particular group of people who um, want to see the government act tough and so on. No, but hang on, Steph, Phil. He's playing to his base. He's you know, and he's feeding them the red meat that they want. In terms of how that's helping with the with the uh, with the rise and cost of living, our, our energy prices, how, how it's resolving, you know, the the job crisis, the housing crisis, not none of that. It's about immigration, you know, and it, it's 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 almost government by slogan, you know. We're almost back to let's get Brexit done, let's get immigration done. I'm not giving them a slogan, but I, I, am, I, am, I am a little you bit concerned at the moment that this summer is we what we're seeing is the government. Um, trying to reclaim some of the ground they've lost with Tory voters through Partygate. And you can see part of it's the Rwanda policy. Look at the Northern Ireland protocol, which is creating a dispute with the EU that doesn't need to exist. But of course, 
battles with Europe are exactly the kind of thing that motivates the voters. Look at the rail strikes coming up next week and, and the government trying to pin those on the Labour Party. And you, you can sort of, you can see, can't you, the agenda here, that it's all about, um, as you say, getting the base back, supporting the Tories, people who've maybe deserted the Tories because of party gain. But, but we can see the government, the people see through him. Look at his ratings, his approval ratings. So the mind that they're minus double figures. You know, he's he, the people don't approve of him, Phil. So, I, and, and okay, he's got the he's got, and we'll come, we'll be talking about this when we, we talk about Starmer. He does have the edge, just the edge on Starmer in terms of popularity. But in terms of his approval ratings, he's, he's, he's they're, they're in the toilet. So, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's, it's not working. And I, I would argue, Phil, that. That his, that his backbenchers, 75% of whom want him out, yes. you know, read the ruins. They, they know what's going on. So they can see through this nonsense of, 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 of attacking the, the opposition. Well, the, final, the, the, final question then before we leave this. I mean, it, do you think that if we got, you know, if the Tory party did move against Johnson again um, and later in the year or next year and they dump him, do you think the Tory party would fundamentally change as a result? Or would a new leader come in and they'd still be pursuing these same extreme policies? I, I think they say they're in our manifesto. It's about how you execute them, how you, how you, how you make these things happen. And I, I think the way they approach them, you don't do it through headlines and leaks in the press. You do with getting the job done. Some of it is quite boring. Which how we'll be talking about that later on with Keir Starmer. So it's not about being the big superhero and headlines every day, but it's getting the job done. Getting the job done. Or the job as they see it. Five in the eye. Story number two was a story that really intrigued me. The headline was the Google sacks AI engineer. Well, so when you read it, they didn't quite sack him. They suspended him. And they suspended him because he leaked a report. He leaked a report that his the AI um program that he's working on, so-called Lambda. What was it? What's that? What for? Language model for dialogue applications. Dialogue application, that's a frightening expression. But it was getting sentient. And he said it was a sentient of a child. In a sense of, of who it was. In a sense of, of self-worth. And he thought that was a, a bad thing, not good. But and to the point where he thought, well, you can't turn this thing off. So Luke... Luke uh, Google wanted to turn it off. They wanted to do something that didn't seem quite right. So guess what, Phil? He, he appointed a lawyer to protect the child. No, to, well, the, I'm, I'm using his jargon to protect this algorithm. Um, it, it, it's up there, you know, with, um, with, with babies on life support systems, and they bring in a lawyer to protect them from not, not being turned off. This thing exists. That's a human being. We recognize that. But a program is a human being. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is this is this something not quite right here. Um, um, what, what, my big problem with this, and this is very worrying, because back in the day when I was coming up, you used to have the Turing test. The Turing test. You may be familiar with it. The, you knew this was a question you could ask the, the algorithm to see if you were talking to a robot or a human being. Yes, and named after Alan Turing, the yeah. code, famous code breaker. Exactly. But but they've come through that now. They don't. It doesn't work anymore because this the AI system can fool it. So they now apparently there's 204 questions that you can interrogate. So and look, the AI specialists say this is nonsense. This thing isn't sentient. 
I mean, Phil, does, Phil, 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 gonna... Phil, it's going to be sentient. I believe, you know, we're on the path. It's, no, it's no, there's not a question if. It's a, for me, it's a question of when. Well, I mean, it gets us into some really deep kind of philosophical water, which I'm certainly, you know, not able to swim very proficiently in, Michael, which would be kind of, well, what what do we mean by something being sentient? I mean, we talk about animals being sentient, for instance, they could feel pain, perhaps, or uh, they have some kind of consciousness of their their environment. Michael, you're going to come in here. I can no, no, see the, you. Well, you see, the, the big question is when the thing will let you turn it off. Well, like in how this, you know, this engineer who had, had, had his off. conversation with Lamb, the, the conversations that sparked his fears, um, the, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the AI was saying, yeah, that they was very scared of being turned off, that, that uh, it would be a, a, akin to, to kind of killing it. But, you know, isn't this just a piece of software going through the motions of saying the kinds of things that it believes um, a sentient creature would say? And that's not the same thing, is it, as actually being sentient? Hang on a sec, Phil. Going through the motions, that means they understand the motions and then they can manipulate them. Yeah, so well, I, no, and I, 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 I could see it being manipulative, but, yeah. you know, I mean, and I, and I could see it being incredibly intelligent, but does that actually mean that it thinks and feels? I mean, it, I, I, in, the way, in the way that we do. In other words, it's saying, don't turn me off. It's like killing me. Um, but, you know, why would we take that at face value? Why don't we just turn the off switch? It's not going to let you because it because it controls the system, controls the power. That, that, that's the not quite, I don't think we're quite at that point. No, but but on that on that curve, that, that's, that's in, in sense of when when it's going to happen. So this sense of this this sense of self identity, self awareness, and the idea of death not being a, a good thing because we've taught it. It knows what we know and understands more. So it's, it's a challenge on us to kind of manage these things. You know, we, 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 we need to build in, you know, Asimov's uh, um, laws of robotics. You know, a robot can't kill a human being. You know, let's get that, let's get that up front. You cannot kill a human being. You know, robots must protect human beings. And, and even if it means the death of itself, building these things into the systems. You know, and it's one of the things this brings up, this idea, who are the ethicists? Who are the people putting the ethics into this? Are these the computer scientists or are they some great and good who can look at these things and listen to them and analyze them and say, well, that's in, that's out? Well, look, you've got a physics degree, Michael, as I, as I frequently remind our, as I frequently remind our listeners. I, can, my, can, my, I, can I just remind them? It was 50 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and you know the the laws of physics have changed a lot in that time. No, well, but, that's it. No, no, the short answer: that No, they haven't. We know <laughs> we know more, more about them. We may not understand more about them. But, but you know the what? Laws of what I was going to ask you is: What, in your view, is the worst case scenario in the year in the years ahead with this AI? Is it is it the genuine you know science fiction dystopia that that the ai decides that human beings are dispensable and and, and so on or is the, is that just the stuff of science fiction okay one is the stuff of science fiction and two they'll be built into the algorithm just from the ethics that robots cannot kill human beings now but and, and, and the welfare of human beings is paramount that's built into the system 
So that, 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 that has to be, this is where we need ethicists to control these things. And, and, and that, that has to happen. Now you're going to say there's going to be some doctor no in some hidden mountain in China or Uzbekistan who's built this lab of AI people. But I would argue that that, 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 that is science fantasy. That is science fantasy. I think the AI will be used for really mundane things like quality control. You know, is this thing fit for purpose? It'll look at it and do the yes or no. So no, I think it has some really positive uses. But in terms of killing human beings, I don't know that there'll be no. I'm, well, there's a, there's no need for quality control over five in the eye, of course. We, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm one of the other things, though. Think about this: if you've got artificial intelligence, then you've got to have artificial stupidity. You know, so, so these these things have got to be stupid. It's part of the human nature. You, or, or is it possible to say we can create humans who are not stupid? But then, you know, I, 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 I like I like to quote. Um, uh, the BBC commentator Brian Redford, but he's died now. But he said, "There's no no human condition humans cannot make worse." <laughs> so those 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 things are built. If they're if they're built in our image, then I'm sorry, it's uh, nah, they're not going to take over. Five in the eye. Story number three this week is about the Labour leader Keir Starmer. Now, reportedly, he was talking to his shadow cabinet recently, and. Um, According to The Guardian, he um, he said to them, look, stop briefing to the press that I'm boring um, because it's fueling a lot of negative commentary. Um, and according to The Guardian journalist, there then followed a very boring discussion in the shadow cabinet about how boring Keir was and, 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 and so on. Um, it begs a question to me, you know, what do we actually want in politicians? I mean, Boris Johnson, who we talked about in story number one, is obviously in many respects a completely larger than life character, self-cultivated character. Um, uh, but he is a horrific prime minister. I mean, Keir Starmer does seem to be steady as she goes, pretty safe. If you ask people in focus groups about him, yes, the word boring does come up. But some people might say, well, isn't boring exactly what we need? Isn't safe exactly what we need in these turbulent times, Michael? Really turbulent times. We did these Johnsonian times of nonsense. You know, I think we can attack Keir Starmer. I think when it came up this week, he didn't in question time. He didn't go for the jugular on the fact that his, 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 um, 40% of his party didn't want him. He didn't build up. He started going some nonsense about the health service. And he was almost playing to, to Johnson's ground. And he, and he, he just didn't look good. He, he's, not, he's not as confrontational as, as many would like him to be. But then he doesn't go in for this personal attack that Johnson goes in for. He's not that kind of politician. And let's say, do we need that kind of politician? You know, a bit of normality would be good. Would be good, you know, because politics is not a game. You know, you have some people, what was it? What was it? What was it? You know, politics is show business for ugly people. And this is Johnson is there. He's, he's loving headlines every week. Doesn't matter good or bad. It's just a constant, a constant um, thing of nonsense from, from Rwanda because they didn't, there's, there's, some argued that he knew it would never happen. Rwanda, it's just out there to feed the base. You know, they make these stories up, and I go, you know, and he's he's made a life. He's a reporter. He's made. He knows about how to manipulate the press. 
So no, we don't need boring. I think we do need boring politicians. Some element. So we need boring politicians with a bit of wit about them, capable of you know being having you know self-deprecating. We like a bit of that. But you know this entertainment that like Johnson is. You know who can forget Phil? That image of him on, on that slip wire. I mean, he's stranded there with his with those two un, the Union Jacks, and he's just a complete buffoon. But oh, that's all Boris. They just play into his base even then. Yeah. So no, Phil, we know. Well, yes, I mean, we, um, boring. We, we have had boring politicians in power. Haven't we? I mean, what about John Major? Hardly the most scintillating of characters, was he? But he he managed to stay in power for five years. I mean, his government was profoundly boring. I, 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 I was it, the, the grey man? Literally used to yeah. do cartoons. He was the grey man. So there's nothing wrong in that. We need some. This, in some ways, you know, that's very British. Stable. And, and oh, maybe, reserved. maybe these things go in cycles. I mean, Thatcher was, you know, uh, w- w- was a very big personality. She was followed by John Major. Um, and then in turn, he was replaced by Blair. I mean, perhaps we go through, perhaps we go through cycles where, where we where we want a bit of life and we want a bit of entertainment and, and charisma, and then we 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 think twice about it and head on back to people who are a little bit safer and more reliable. I'm going to say something quite boring. That, that, that's a good point. For, that's a good point. That that reaction, you know, you can go too far one way. And I think with Johnson, we've gone too far in the nonsense way. I mean, we need some, we, and in some ways, when you look at, uh, you could attack the, the Labour front bench in terms of the, the witty personalities. Hello? Hmm. You know, they're all, all quite mundane and quite in, 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 in their politics and their, their delivery. Well, I think even, even the strong performers, you know, David Lammy, West Street and people like this, they, they tend to be quite earnest. Exactly. That's, exa- um, that's exactly the word, earnest. They're very straight. And you look at Boris's jo- but, but Boris is, I was going to call them a cabinet, but they're just a bunch of lickspittles, lackeys, you know, not a character amongst them. You know, th- th- these guys who come on every morning, and women, every morning, and defend him on the news, whatever he's done this week. You know, I love the one, the one I love when they say, he's getting on with the job. Then you have to say, but what is the job? What's he doing? What's today's job? Tell me. Nah. Five in the eye. Story number four in it is about mandem, isn't it? It's supposed to, you know, the way people are talking now. And there's this so-called, I've got to look it up here, multicultural London English, MLE. Now, Phil, you as a waste man would know all about this, innit? You know, the fact that, you know, you know this thing, you know, you're with the youth. So, you, you know, you're a bit of this and that. You, you, you're fully cognizant of it, I'm, 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 I'm sure. So look, look, Phil, I think this is a nonsense story. It's just language. It happens. Move on. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I tend to agree. You know, language evolves. It moves on. And, um, you know, the, the dialect is something that changes. Accents are things that change. I mean, if you if you went back to my childhood in London, the dominant accent, for instance, was much more kind of old school Cockney. And now you only hear those accents if you go out to Essex and Kent and places like that. And London accents have changed a lot and they reflect the fact that, yeah, the city is incredibly multicultural uh, and diverse and lots of different influences. I think perhaps the most interesting thing about this story, to my mind, though, is 
not so much that language is changing, which I would agree with you just happens, uh, but that London and the way London changes is quite dominant and it kind of forces itself out into the rest mm. of the country. Do you think that, I mean, Liverpool, your home city, is 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 quite interesting because it's an environment where it's not, it's actually its its own world and people still speak, you know, quite strong scouse, don't they? And, and could you ever see the influence of this kind of multicultural London English extending to somewhere like Liverpool? I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's a great question. Of course it'll happen. Of course, because Liverpool is a place we absorb ideas. We take the best and move on with them. So I'm so I'm, I'm sure it, it is happening. Now, me as a, a 70-year-old outsider not living in Liverpool, I cannot comment on what's actually happening right now. You know, I'm, I'm still back in the day talking about lad and our kids. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I can't really comment on that. But what I can comment on, on the fact that those people who rail against this and say it's going to replace language in 100 years, calm down, calm down. You know, some of these words might survive. Mandan may survive. In it may di- disappear. And it, it may disappear because like, we take that as ever. English takes the best and you know, leaves the rest. So, you know, I think England can rest assured that the English language is going to be there for the long, for the long run. And this idea of uh, we're going to be speaking completely differently in 100 years time. I don't think so. Five in the eye. Our final story this week takes us to Russia or Perhaps more precisely, the um, the travels of Russian Premier Vladimir Putin, because when he goes abroad, he takes an entourage with him, including bodyguards, as you'd expect. But one of their duties, Michael, is quite unexpected, or perhaps we should say above and beyond the normal call of duty, uh, because uh, when Mr. Putin, um, how shall we put this delicately? Um, does a number two, uh, they, their job is to collect the uh, the evidence and put it in a suitcase and take it back to Moscow. And the thinking is that Vladimir is worried that um, espionage agencies and so on in foreign countries could get hold of his poop and analyse it and maybe find out about things like his medical conditions and so on. What did you make of this story? I saw the video of him going to the toilets. Six people, six people went in and six people came out. One of them was carrying a suitcase or a briefcase. And Putin came up behind them. It's just, you know, in some ways you would expect, that, you know, someone who's a megalomaniac that, to, um, to be paranoid about them finding out anything about him. So let's take it all back with me. It's just. The people that do, I feel for the people who have to look after them and to do it, but I guess they're getting paid for it. It comes with the, the territory. It's difficult, isn't it, to quite imagine the procedures and protocols that go into this when people accompany him into the toilets. Uh, and I don't really, really want to paint that image in my mind, uh, but it can't be a normal kind of toileting routine. And it seems that Mr. Putin obviously doesn't care about all the embarrassment and humiliation of all of this. He's more concerned with his own survival and and and, and the fact that he might become vulnerable somehow or other if he, if he didn't if he didn't have his bodyguards collecting his poop. Well, you keep on pronouncing his name in a certain specific way there, Phil. I can't help but smile. 
the fact that uh, there are there are two is it two syllables and you kind of emphasize the first syllable uh, of his name you know kind of and there's a there's a twinkle in your eye when you do that film I wonder if I wonder if, the, if Johnson does it I said would anyone want to do it for him <laughs> you know it's, well. It's, it's, is this on the same pot? You know, we used to talk, talk about there was the bodyguards for um, Trump. There was some question whether they would take a bullet for him. Mm. You know, would you take a, a bag in the toilet for him? Would you take uh, a pooper scooper for him? No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would certainly make for an interesting job description, wouldn't it? Exactly. It, it's, um, you should read the small print of the job next time you, are, you apply for the civil, civil service. You know, look what they said. Look what it says. Five in the eye. Well, that's it for another week. Five in the eye is being flushed away, but we'll resurface next week at the same time. We hope you've enjoyed episode 0362. If you want to get in touch with us, please do visit our Facebook page where we post a story for considering for next week's show. For now, this is me, Mike Lohajuru, saying as always, if you have been, thanks for listening. And this is Phil Woodford reminding you to keep an eye on the news as you never know what we'll be discussing on next week's Five in the Eye. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?